Hello everyone. Welcome to Demigod Wars. This is officially the first episode of my podcast because the previous one was just a prologue. Um I'm going to start right away with the first book of the series, Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief, with the first chapter, that is chapter 1, I vaporized my pre-algebra teacher. Look, I didn't want to be a half-blood. If you are reading this because you might you think you might be one, my advice is close this book right now. Believe whatever lie your mom or dad told you about your birth and try to lead a normal life. Being a half-blood is dangerous. It's scary. Most of the time, it gets you killed in painful nasty ways. If you are a normal kid reading this book because you think it's fiction, great. Read on. I envy you for being able to believe that none of this ever happened. But if you recognize yourself in these pages, if you feel something stirring inside, stop reading immediately. You might be one of us, and once you know that, it's only a matter of time before they sense it too, and they'll come for you. Don't say I didn't warn you. My name is Percy Jackson. I'm 12 years old. Until a few months ago, I was a boarding student at Yancey Academy, a private school for troubled kids in upstate New York. Am I a troubled kid? Yeah, you could say that. I could start at any point in my short miserable life to prove it, but things really started going bad last May when our sixth grade class took a field trip to Manhattan. Twenty-eight mental case kids with two teachers on a yellow school bus heading to the Metropolitan Museum of Art to look at ancient Greek and Roman stuff. I know it sounds like torture. Young, most Yancey field trips were, but Mr. Brunner, our Latin teacher, was leading this trip, so I had hopes. Mr. Brunner was this middle-aged guy in a motorized wheelchair. He had thinning hair and a scruffy beard and a frayed tweed jacket with, which always smelled like coffee. You wouldn't think he'd be cool, but he told stories and jokes and let us play games in class. He also had this awesome collection of Roman armor and weapons, so he was the only teacher whose class didn't put me to sleep. I hoped the trip would be okay. At least I hoped that for once I wouldn't get in trouble. Boy, was I wrong. Seeing bad things, see bad things happen to me on field trips. Like at my fifth grade school, we went to the Saratoga battlefield. I had this accident with a Revolutionary War cannon. I wasn't aiming for the school bus, but of course, I got expelled anyway. And before that, at my fourth grade school, when we took a behind-the-scenes tour of the Marina World Shark Pool, I sort of hit the wrong lever on the catwalk, and our class took an unplanned swim. And the time before that, well, you get the idea. This trip, I was determined to be good. All the way into the city, I put up with Nancy Bobfit, the freckly red-haired kleptomaniac girl, hitting my best friend Grover in the back of the head with chunks of peanut butter and ketchup sandwich. Grover was an easy target. He was scrawny. He cried when he got frustrated. He might have, he must have been held back several grades, grades, because he was the only sixth grader with acne and the start of a wispy beard on his chin. On top of all that, he was crippled. He had a note excusing him from PE. for the rest of his life because he had some kind of muscular disease in his legs he walked funny like every step hurt him but don't let that fool you you should have seen him run when it was chulara day in the cafeteria anyway nancy bowfet was throwing wads of sandwich that stuck in his curly brown hair and she knew i couldn't do anything back to her because i was already on probation the headmaster had threatened me with death by and school suspension if anything bad embarrassing or mindly entertaining happened on this trip i'm going to kill her i mumbled rava tried to calm me down it's okay 
I like peanut butter. He dodged another piece of Nancy's lunch. That's it. I started to get up, but Grover pulled me back to my seat. You're already on probation? He reminded me. You know you'll get blamed if anything happens. Looking back on it, I wish I did deck Nancy Bowfit right then and there. In school suspensions would have been nothing compared to the mess I was about to get myself into. Mr. Bruno led the museum tour. He rode up front in his wheelchair, guiding us through the big echoey galleries, past marble statues and glass cases full of really old black and orange pottery. It blew my mind that this stuff had survived for 2,000, 3,000 years. He gathered us around a four-meter-tall stone column with a big snake on the top and started telling us how to, how it was a grave marker, a steel for a girl about our age. He told us about the carvings on the sides. I was trying to listen to what he had to say but b- because it was kind of interesting, but everybody around me was talking, and every time I told them to shut up, the other teacher chaperone, Mrs. Dodds, would, would give me the evil eye. Mrs. Dodds was this little mass teacher from Georgia who always wore a black leather jacket, even though she was 50 years old. She looked mean enough to ride a Harley right into your locker. She had come to Nancy, Yancy, Harvey through the year when our last maths teacher had a nervous breakdown. From her first day, Mrs. Dodds loved Nancy Bowfit and figured I was the devil's pawn. She would point her crooked finger at me and say, Now, honey, real sweet, and I knew I was going to get after-school detention for a month. One time, after she did made me erase answers out of old maths, old maths workbooks until midnight, I told Grover I didn't think Mrs. Dodds was human. He looked at me real serious and said, you're absolutely right. Mr. Brunner kept talking about Greek funeral art. Finally, Nancy Bowfit snickered something about the naked guy on the steel and I turned around and said, Will you shut up? It came out louder than I meant it to. The whole group laughed. Mr. Brunner stopped the story. Mr. Jackson, he said, did you have a comment? My face was totally red. I said, no, sir. Mr. Brunner pointed to one of the pictures on the steel. Perhaps you'll tell us what this picture represents? I looked at the carving and felt a flush of relief because I actually recognized it. That's Kronos eating his kids, right? Yes, Mr. Brunner said, obviously not satisfied. And he did this because... Well, I, tr- I racked my brain to remember. Kronos was the king god and... God? Mr. Brunner asked. Titan, I corrected myself. And... Uh, he didn't trust his kids who were, who were the gods. So, um, Kronos ate them, right? But his wife hid baby Zeus and gave Kronos a rock to eat instead. And later Zeus, when, when Zeus grew up, he tricked his dad Kronos into barfing up his brothers and sisters. You, said one of the girls behind me. And so there was this big fight between the gods and the titans. I continued, and the gods won. Some snickers from the group. Behind me, Nancy Bowerford mumbled to her friend. Like we are going to use this in real life, like it's going to see in our job applications. Please explain why Kronos ate his kids. And why Mr. Jackson, Mr. Brunner said. To paraphrase Ms. Bowfit's excellent question, does this matter in real life? Busted, Grover muttered. Shut up. Nancy hissed, her face even brighter red than her hair. At least Nancy got in trouble too. Mr. Brunner was the only one who ever caught her saying anything wrong. He had radar ears. I thought about his question and shrugged. I don't know, sir. I see. Mr. Brunner looked disappointed. Well, half credit, Mr. Jackson. Zeus did indeed feed Kronos a mixture of mustard and wine, which made him disgorge his other five children, who, of course, being immortal gods, had been living and growing up completely undigested in the titan's stomach. 
the gods defeated their father, slashed him to pieces with his own scythe, and scattered his remains in Tartarus, the darkest part of the underworld. On that happy note, it's time for lunch. Mrs. Dodds, will you lead us back outside? The class drifted off, the girls holding their stomachs, the guys pushing each other around and acting like diffusers. Grover and I were about to follow when Mr. Brunner said, Mr. Jackson, I knew that was coming. I told Grover to keep moving. Then I turned towards Mr. Brunner. Sir? Mr. Brunner had this look that wouldn't let you go. Intense brown eyes that could have been a thousand years old and had seen everything. You must learn the answer to my question, Mr. Brunner told me. About the titans? About the real life and how your studies apply to it. Oh. What you learn from me, he said, is vitally important. We expect you to treat it as such. I will accept only the best from you, Percy Jackson. I wanted to get angry. This guy pushed me so hard. I mean, sure, it was kind of cool on tournament days when he dressed up in a suit of Roman armor and shouted, What ho? and challenged us, sword point against shock, to run to the board and name every Greek and Roman person who had ever lived and their mother and what god they worshipped. When Mr. Brunner expected me to be as good as everybody else, despite the fact that I have dyslexia and attention deficit disorder and I have never made above a C- in my life. No, he didn't want expect me to be as good. He expected me to be better. And I just couldn't learn all those names and facts, much less spell them correctly. I mumbled something about trying harder, while Mr. Brunner took one long sad look at the steed like he had been at the girl's funeral. He told me to go outside and eat my lunch. The class gathered on the front steps of the museum where we could watch the foot traffic along 5th Avenue. Overhead, a huge storm was brewing, with clouds blacker than I had ever seen over the city. I figured maybe it was global warming or something because the weather all across New York State had been weird since Christmas. We did had massive snowstorms, flooding, wildfires from lightning strikes. I wouldn't have been surprised if this was a hurricane blowing in. Nobody else seemed to notice. Some of the guys were pelting pigeons with, nul- with lunchable crackers. Nancy Buffett was trying to pickpocket something from a lady's bag and of course, Mrs. Dodds wasn't seeing a thing. Grover and I sat on the edge of the fountain, away from the others. We thought that maybe we did that, everybody wouldn't know that we were from that school. The school for loser freaks who couldn't make it elsewhere. Detention? Grover asked. Nah, I said. Not from runner. I wish he did just leave me off sometimes. I mean, I'm not a genius. Grover didn't say anything for a while. Then, when I thought he was going to give me some deep philosophical comment to make me feel better, he said, Can I have your apple? I didn't have much of an appetite, so I let him take it. I watched the stream of cabs going down 5th Avenue and thought about my mom's apartment, only a little ways uptown from where we sat. I hadn't seen her since Christmas. I wanted so bad to jump in the taxi and head home. She did hug me and be glad to see me, but she did be disappointed too. She did send me right back to Yancey, remind me that I had to try harder, even if this was my sixth school in six years and I was probably going to be kicked out again. I wouldn't be able to stand that sad look she did give me. Mr. Brunner parked his wheelchair at the base of the handicapped ramp. He ate celery while he read a paperback novel. A red umbrella stuck up from the back of his chair, making it look like a motorized cafe table. I was about to unwrap my sandwich when Nancy Bowerfit appeared in front of me with her ugly friends. I guess she did gotten tired of stealing from the tourist and dumped her half-eaten lunch in Grover's lap. Oops! She grinned at me with her crooked teeth. Her freckles were orange as if somebody had spray-painted her face with liquid Cheetos. I tried to stay cool. 
The school counselor had told me a million times, count to ten, get control of your temper. But I was so mad, my mind went blank. A wave rolled in my ears. I don't remember touching her. But the next thing I knew, Nancy was sitting on her butt in the fountain, screaming. Percy pushed me. Mrs. Mrs. Dodds materialized next to us. Some of the kids were whispering. Did you see? The water? Like he grabbed her? I didn't know what they were talking about. All I knew was that I was in trouble again. As soon as Mrs. Dodds was sure poor little Nancy was okay, promised her to buy a new shirt at the museum gift shop, etc., etc., Mrs. Dodds turned on me. There was a triumphant fire in her eyes as if I had done something she had been waiting all, all semester. Now, hun- now, honey, I know, I grumbled, a month erasing textbooks. That wasn't the right thing to say. Come with me, Mrs. Dodds said. Wait! Power yelped. It was me! I pushed her. I stared at him, stunned. I couldn't believe he was trying to cover for me. Mrs. Dodds scared Grover to death. She glared at him so hard his whiskery chin trembled. I don't think so, Mr. Underwood, she said. But you will stay here. Grover looked at me desperately. It's okay, man, I told him. Thanks for trying. Honey, Mrs. Dodds barked, barked at me. Now. Nancy Bowfit smirked. I gave her my deluxe, I'll kill you later stare. I then turned to face Mrs. Dodds, but she wasn't there. She was standing at the museum entrance, way at the top of the steps, gesturing impatiently at me to come on. How did she get there so fast? I have moments like that a lot, when my brain falls asleep or something, and the next thing I know, I have missed something, as if a puzzle piece fell out of the universe and left me staring at the blank blank place behind it. The school counselor told me this was part of the ADHD, my brain misinterpreting things. I wasn't so sure. I wasn't so sure. I went after Mrs. Dodds. Halfway up the steps, I glanced back at Grover. He was looking pale, cutting his eyes between me and Mr. Brunner, like he wanted Mr. Brunner to notice what was going on. But Mr. Brunner was absorbed, absorbed in his novel. I looked back up. Mrs. Dodds had disappeared again. She was now inside the building at the end of the entrance hall. Okay, I thought, she's going to make me buy a new t-shirt for Nancy at the gift shop. But apparently that wasn't the plan. I followed her deeper into the museum. When I finally caught up to her, she were back. She was back in the Greek and Roman section. Except for us, the gallery was empty. Mrs. Dodds stood with her arms crossed in front of a big marble piece of the Greek gods. She was making this weird noise in her throat, like growling. Even without the noise, I would have been nervous. It's weird being alone with a teacher, especially Mrs. Dodds. Something of the way she looked at the feeds, as if she wanted to pulverize it. You have been giving us problems, Sonny, she said. I did the safe thing, I said. Yes, ma'am. She tucked on the cuffs of a leather jacket. Did you really think you could get away with this? The look in her eyes was beyond mad. It was evil. She's a teacher, I thought nervously. It's not like she's going to hurt me. I said, I'll I'll try harder, ma'am. Thunder shook the building. We are not fools, Percy Jackson, Mrs. Dodds said. It was only a matter of time before we found you out. Confess, and you will suffer less pain. I didn't know what she was talking about. All I could think of was that the teachers must have found the illegal stash of 
candy I'd been selling out of my dorm room. Or maybe they realized I got my essay on Tom Sawyer from the internet without ever reading the book and now they were going to take away my grade. Or worse, they were going to make me read the book? Well, she demanded. Ma'am, I don't. Your time is up, he, she hissed. Then the weirdest thing happened. Her eyes began to glow like barbecue coals. Her fingers stretched, turning into talons. Her jacket melted into large leathery wings. She wasn't human. She was a shriveled hag with bat wings and claws and a mouthful of yellow fangs. It was about to slice me to ribbons. Then things got even stranger. Mr. Brunner, who had been out in front of the museum a minute before, wheeled his chair into the doorway of the gallery, holding a pen in his hand. What ho, Percy? He shouted and tossed the pen through the air. Mrs. Dodds lunged at me. With a yelp, I dodged and felt talons slash the air next to my ear. I snatched the ballpoint pen out of the air, but when it hit my hand, it wasn't a pen anymore. It was a sword. Mr. Brunner's sword, which he always used on tournament days. Mrs. Dodds spun towards me with a murderous look in her eyes. My knees were jelly. My hands were shaking so bad, I almost dropped the sword. She gnarled. Die, honey! And she flew straight at me. Absolute terror ran, ran through my body. I did the only thing that naturally came. I swung my sword. The metal blade hit her shoulder and passed clean through her body, as if she were made of water. Hiss! Mrs. Dodds was a sand castle in a power fan. She exploded into yellow powder, vaporized on the spot, leaving nothing but the smell of sulfur and a dying screech and the chill of evil in the air, as if two glowing red eyes were still watching me. I was alone. There was a ballpoint pen in my hand. Mr. Brunner wasn't there. Nobody was there but me. My hands were trembling. My lunch must have been contaminated with magic mushrooms or something. Had I imagined the whole thing? I went back outside. It had started to rain. Grover was sitting by the fountain, a museum map tented over his head. Nancy Bowerfit was still standing there, soaked from her swim in the, fa- in the fountain, grumbling to her ugly friends. When she saw me, she said, I hope Mrs. Kerr whipped your butt. I said, Who? Our teacher? Duh! I blinked. We had no teacher named Mrs. Kerr. I asked Nancy what she was talking about. She just rolled her eyes and turned away. I asked Grover where Mrs. Dodds was. Dodds was. He said, Who? But he paused first, and he wouldn't look at me, so I thought he was messing with me. Not funny, man, I told him. This is serious. Thunder boomed overhead. I saw Mr. Brunner sitting there under his red umbrella, reading his book as if he did never moved. I went over to him. He looked up, a little distracted. Ah, that would be my pen. Please bring your writing utensil in the future, Mr. Jackson. I handed it over. I hadn't even realized I was still holding it. Sir, I said, where's Mrs. Dodds? He stared at me blankly. Who? The other chaperone, Mrs. Dodds, the pre-algebra teacher. He frowned and sat forward, looking mildly concerned. Percy, there is no Mrs. Dodds in this trip. As far as I know, there has been never been a Mrs. Dodds at Yance Academy. Are you feeling all right? So that was the first chapter of the Percy Jackson, the book one, Lightning Thief. Um, I'm I'm going to do the chapter two in my next episode. Thank you. Have a nice day and stay safe and stay healthy. Bye-bye. Oh, before leaving, don't forget to share with your friends if you like my podcast. Stay tuned.